welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Lech Lecha, and our sages tell us that the Parasha Bereshit begins with the birth of humanity, and it starts in a very happy note, in the creation of the world and the birth of humanity, but it ends in a very sad note, which is the, the generation of humanity. And then we go to Parasha Noah, and it starts in a very, very horrible way. It talks about the destruction of the world, of how Hashem created this mabul, this flood, this universal flood, and all humanity was um, eradicated except Noah and his sons and his wife and his daughters-in-law and these animals that he saved. But it ends in a very happy note with the birth of Abraham Avinu. And then we come to Parasha Lech Lecha, and, uh, and our sages teach us that the Parasha of Lech Lecha begins in a happy way with Abraham Avinu, and it ends in a happy note because it, we're with, with Abraham Avinu, the whole Parasha. So this is a good, uh, we could call it a good um, omen for the Jewish people because as the, as the Tzemach Tzedek taught us, that we live with the, with the parish of the week, is living with the times. This is the energy that is involving the Jewish people this week. We have to be very, um, very, I don't know, uh, optimistic this week. And uh, we see that every parasha really is teaching us something new. I also want to take a moment to thank God, to thank Hashem, Borei Olam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for all the blessings in my life. Uh, in the year 2001, my husband woke up on a Wednesday morning and he decided that he wanted to become Shomer Shabbat, keep the Shabbos. And this was his Lech Lecha, because Lech Lecha means get out of yourself, go to a place I'm going to show you. And so, in life, we're challenged many times to really get out of ourselves. This is such a time in which we're all being uncomfortable with ourselves uh, in many ways. And uh, we're called to go and search for God. This is what really it really is. It's like this is a, a, an aha moment in our lives in which if we take the opportunity, we can get closer to God and we can really reach very high heights. So in 2001, one month after 9-11, my husband woke up on a Wednesday morning and he had this aha moment within himself. He said, I don't know why, don't ask me why, but I have to do this. My soul is asking me to do this. And I said to him, okay, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for such a change in my life, but I'll help you do it. And eventually, eight months later, I also became Shomer Shabbat and my kids grew up Shomer Shabbat. And and this is where we are now. So I have to thank God for this big, big gift he gave us, which I wouldn't return it for anything in the world. And also uh, today, Lech uh, Lecha is also the anniversary of livealittlehigher.com. Seven years ago, uh, I embarked myself in this project um, it was a Lech Lecha moment because it really took me out of my comfort zone. It's been seven years, thank God, in which every week of, of the year we post different classes in the website uh, which go into YouTube and it ends up going to the podcast and the Spotify, which became later, this came later. But uh, I have 
to thank God that he gave me this job because I've learned so much from teaching you guys. I've grown so much from everything I try to give you. Uh, you know, you have, to, you have to walk the talk. When you're teaching people concepts of Torah and of how to live, you really have to be true to yourself. You have to live the way that you teach. You cannot tell people to do certain things and then you're not doing what you're saying they should do. So this has really and made me grow and, 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 and learn and know. And uh, I see from my, my recording seven years ago to now, it's really has come a long way. I wanna thank my, my students that listen to these classes, uh, that I get some feed, feedback sometimes from some, from some of you and I get beautiful feedback of how they, these classes enhance your life and really have helped you grow too. So thank you for being there and, um, and really it's, it's an incredible parasha. It really touches my heart. So this week I'm gonna concentrate on the War of the Kings. Uh, the book of the Shem Ishmael gives a beautiful explanation about this war. And we see that uh, there's a, sub a substantial chunk of the Sidra, of this Torah portion, that really is dedicated to this war of four kings who, who, who fought against five other kings in a battle that lasted many, many years. And Abraham fought against the four kings Later on, you're going to see in the later portions where uh, his uh, nephew Lot, which goes with him, he leaves the land where they live and they go to the land of Canaan. He goes with Abraham and with Sarah and he's captured by the, by the, by the, the, by the four kings. He's, uh, he's held hostage and we see that uh, Abraham fights these four kings and he, re he helps release his, his nephew. And so there's a lot of meaning behind this story. The Midrash uh, says in Tanhuma, God engineered things such that everything that happened to Abraham would happen to his descendants. And this gives me really goosebumps because as I'm giving you this class today, we have 220 hostages or 222, I think it was this morning, uh, hostages that are being held captive by Hamas in Gaza. So we see that there's a famous concept known as Maseh Avot Siman Levanim. Everything that happened to the patriarchs was a harbinger of what would happen to the children, to his children. This means that all the events in the lives of our patriarchs, of our, of our Avot, were echoed by later national events in the life of Klal Israel, and we're seeing it today. So the four kings mentioned here really represent four kingdoms. So one is the kingdom of Babylonia, then you have the kingdom of Media, you have the kingdom of Greece, and you have the kingdom of Edom, which is Rome. And this whole episode happened to Abraham to indicate that the four kingdoms would arise in the world. And eventually his descendants would overcome them and the kingdoms would all fall into their hands. So this is from the Rambam in Bereshit. So we see that we've had many enemies throughout our history, a lot of four kingdoms that have wanted to destroy the Jewish people, like annihilate us. And eventually 
we came out. Like all of them are in the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art behind the windows, all these ancient uh, kingdoms. Uh, and we, the Jewish people, were still breathing and walking down Fifth Avenue with a kippah in the head, and women are lighting Shabbat candles, and we're still alive. So the four kingdoms mentioned here are the four historical nations who have oppressed the, the children of Israel, and they were perpetrators of our four exiles, so which, which each attempted to subjugate uh, some aspect of our nature. Each time the Jewish people eventually succeeded in freeing themselves from these nations, from the shackles of, 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 of these nations, and these four nations, as I said before, were Babylon, which destroyed the first Beit Hamikdash with the king Nebuchadnezzar. Then you had Media, Media, which uh, followed the Babylonian um, uh, oppression, which is really Persia, what we know as Persia, and this is where the Purim story came about, about uh, this man uh, uh, Haman and the king Ahasuerus and the Queen Esther, and they wanted to destroy the Jewish people, and they wanted to really annihilate the whole Jewish people, and the story backfired towards them, and at the end, uh, the Jewish people were saved, and Haman was hanged in the gallows. And then you have Greece, ancient Greece, I'm not talking about current Greece, I'm talking about ancient Greece, which attacked uh, the Jewish people at the time of Hanukkah, which we will be celebrating next month in the month of Kislev. And Edom, which is known as Rome, or actually today would be the Western world, destroyed the second Beit Kamikdash, and under whose spiritual inheritors we live today. So let's take a closer look at the life of Abraham. Uh, and with this introduction, we can proceed to examine the early life of Abraham Avinu, as described in the Sidra, and we'll see that some while before the War of the Kings, we discover an intriguing incident in the lives of Abraham and Sarah, which at this point in this Torah portion, they're not called Abraham and Sarah, they're known as Abraham and Sarah. They don't have a hey in their names. And we see that when they leave the, 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 their, their land and they go to the land of Canaan, which is Eretz Israel, eh, we see that when they come to the land of Israel, when Hashem tells them, Lech Lecha, go to a place I'm going to show you. Imagine, you live your whole life and you go to this place God is showing you, and you come to this place, and what happens? There's famine. There's nothing to eat. There's a famine, and there's nothing to eat. And so what, to avoid starvation, what they did is they went to Egypt. They went to Egypt. And Abram advised Sarah, his wife, to pretend to be his sister. Why? He hadn't realized she was a beautiful woman. He, he hadn't realized. And suddenly when they're going to, to Egypt, he realizes, oh my, I'm going to have such a problem here because my wife is such a gorgeous woman. All the, the, the privation in Egypt in those days, I'm talking about ancient Egypt also. Not, it's not the Egypt we know today, it's the Egypt of the pharaohs and the, and the, and the pyramids. Uh, the, the, the culture in Egypt was a horrible culture. It was a, a very profane culture. They were very profane in, 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 in a sexual way. 
And so he was scared that his wife would be taken uh, to the pharaoh because she was so beautiful and she would be exploited by the pharaoh. So when, he, when, he, when they got there, he said to her, don't tell them I'm your, I'm your husband because they're gonna kill me. Tell them I'm your brother. And so when they arrived, Sarah was indeed taken by these Egyptians to Pharaoh's house. And because she had such a merit, because she was such a holy woman, uh, Pharaoh got sick and everybody got sick and he couldn't have uh, this intimate relationship with anybody because he got very sick and he couldn't do it. And uh, as a result, Sarah was released unharmed. And this Pharaoh, he, he recognized, he says, what have you done to me? What have you done to me? You almost killed me. And, uh, and he sees that from there on, this Pharaoh, he gives uh, Abraham a lot of riches and he sends them off with a lot of riches. And so we see that the important point is that this incident occurred before the War of the Kings. And the Midrash tells us, Sarah came to Egypt and restrained herself from immorality. In her merit, all the women restrained themselves from immorality, and Abraham went down to Egypt and restrained himself from immorality. In his merit, all the men restrained themselves. So we see that from this action that Abraham and Sarah took of, of being moral human beings and being, being sneers and not falling into this depraved wave of life, they paved the way for the, the whole Jewish people. We see that Joseph comes to Egypt many parashas later. He was actually the grandson of, of Abraham, not the, grand, the great-grandson of Abraham. And he's taken down to Egypt as a slave. And he eventually becomes the viceroy of Egypt. And he never falls into this depravity. He's known as Yosef Hatzalik. Why is he known as Yosef Hatzalik? Because he, he maintained himself pure in a very depraved world. So we see that our forefathers were paving the way for the Jewish people. When the Jewish people came to Egypt as slaves, they became slaves in Egypt. Also the women, the Jewish women, never fell into depravity with the Egyptian men. So we see that this is a, the spiritual DNA of the Jewish people comes from our forefathers. And so we see that Abraham and Sarah were able to control themselves centuries before their descendants were able to do, to do so in exile. And the earlier personal experience of Abraham and Sarah in Pharaoh's house was a forerunner of a similar national event years later. And this is Maseh Avosiman Levanim. Everything that happened to, to the patriarchs happens to the children. And the test that Abraham experienced in Egypt was one of sexual nature, as we have seen. And this is logical as the Egyptians are particularly as described as the people of promiscuity, the, the, the ancient Egyptians. Indeed, the prophet describes the Egyptians as having the flesh of donkeys. And a donkey, the donkey is seen as a crude, purely physical uh, being. In fact, in Hebrew, the word donkey is hamor, which also means raw physicality. So indeed the prophet describes the Egyptians as having this flesh. And this indicates a total, totally animalistic, physically oriented, <coughs> sorry, I'm coming out of a very bad cold I had. Oriented life self-centered on lust. Indeed, the Kabbalistic understand that the whole evil husk of Klippa of Egypt was one of sexual immorality. 
So Egypt was even known as an, as an Ervas Haaretz, the most immoral place of, in the world. And at the end of the story, we discover that, uh, that Abram came up from Egypt, he, his wife, and all his property. Like they were able to overcome this temptation of uh, immorality. Uh, and because they were able to overcome this temptation of immorality, the Jew has within him the ability to also be able to uh, control this temptation of immorality. So this means that Abraham passed this test. This was one of his tests when he left um, uh, the place where he used to be. And, um, and he was tested 10 times during his journey. 10 tests he had. And so he passed every test. And so he entered the prom promiscuous environment of Egypt and emerged unscathed. Imagine, so we are constantly being tested every day of our life. Uh, we see all these things that are going, unfolding in front of our eyes of immorality and not decency in the world. And the world became very, very not decent, not moral, and uh, so bad that people even, uh, even justify it and make it seem like it's okay, but it's really not okay. But the Jew has the ability, I'm not saying everybody has conquered it, but what we have to know is that within ourselves we have the tools and the strength to be able, able to conquer these tendencies. And they're not for the Jews. This is not something for us. This is not the way a Jew should live. I know today people are very modern. People, I don't know, they, they go live together before they get married. But this is not the Jewish way. This is not the Jewish way. The Jew, the Jew first gets married, you know, and then you have a life with your wife. But it's not like, this is not the Jewish way. And what we're seeing is, <clears throat> I find it that really we have to stick, stick to our way. We really have to stick to our way because that's the only way for us. And so soon afterwards, the war of the kings took place. The sequence of events is very important. We see that God gave Abraham the experiences he needed in order that they were needed. So Hashem doesn't send people experiences, let's call them, or occurrences, or things in life that they have to live that are not needed for them. Uh, whatever we're go going through, what experience we're having to deal with right now, uh, the horrors of a war and, uh, and the hatred of the world, it's something that we, are, we need as a Jewish people. It's something that we need. It's something that is going to bring out something that we have within our, ourselves that is dormant. It's a potential that we have that Hashem needs from us right now. It's not, he's not, um, he's not uh, castigando us. He's not uh, punishing the Jewish people. This is not a punishment. This is beyond punishment. You could never justify such a punishment. There's nothing as that bad that a person can do that comes, this is the punishment, you know, like the Holocaust, also not a punishment. This is not a punishment. So this is actually something that is going on uh, in a spiritual realm, there's something that is needed from us. 
And in order for Hashem to be able to extract what is needed from us, we have to go through this process of purification, let's call it, in order for us to be able to achieve what Hashem needs from us. But we have it within us. That's what's important and that's what we're learning here. The Avos already built it in our DNA. We already have what we need. So, so we see that God gave Abraham the experiences he needed in the, in the order that they were needed. Like everything he had to go through in life, all these 10 tests that he had to go in life, were not random things that happened to him. Everything was designed for making Abraham. I once asked a rabbi, why did the Jewish people have to go through 210 years of slavery in Egypt? What did they do to deserve this? What can a person or a nation do to deserve 210 years of slavery? And, and be, their babies were put as bricks and they, they were drowned in the Nile and they experienced the most horrendous horrors that a Jewish people or any human being could, could experience. What was the point of that? And he said to me, you have to understand Margie, and it was Rabbi Gestander from Mayanot, you have to give credit to the people that teach you. It says it gives you long life. Rabbi Gestander said to me, Margie, you have to understand, it was not a punishment. There was nothing the Jewish people did that merited 210 years of, 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 of slavery. What it was, it was the making of the Jewish people. It was an ingredient. We needed to be slaves. We needed to understand what slavery is. We had to have it in our DNA. And if you see the Jewish people, we're advocating for everybody. You even see Jewish people th saying, oh, we feel so bad for the Palestinians, you know? Why? Because we have it within us. We have that soul. We have a, a part of us that feels for other people, that we feel the pain of others because we have experienced it ourselves. Even if we were not the slaves, we have it in our, in our genetic makeup. There's something called uh, generational trauma. We still carry this generational trauma from generation to generation to generation. So it follows that Abraham needed the Egypt experience in order to progress to the next stage. And we can suggest therefore that Abraham prevailed in the war of the kings only because he had succeeded in escaping from Egypt with his spiritual integrity intact. So what we're seeing here is that Hashem gives us situations to bring up out something that he needs from us as since Abraham had this merit within him that he was able to stand strong and not fall into the depravity of, of Egypt that that is like an extra armor that he has that protects him in the next stage so every mitzvah you do right now every Torah learning you do everything you do that is goodness in the world will stand as a merit for you and not only for you for the whole jewish people because we're all interconnected we're interlinked and what where one stands if, if, if you you can tip the scales if we are in the balance and let's say we're like this and and and, and we're low if suddenly i saw a, a picture today of a rabbi that goes to the barcelan hospital every day to put the film on on the doctors and the nurses and the patients, and there was this, this doctor, specific doctor, 
that never wanted to put on tefillin. And today he went to look for that rabbi, he went to look for him to put on the tefillin. So that act of that doctor, that for years and years and years he refused to put this tefillin, one time he chooses to put them on, you know, we're here, suddenly we're here. And the, the, all the, 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 the scale is tipped in our favor. You know, all these soldiers, they're going to war, they're going to fight a, a, a physical war. They need protecting angels. They need one in front and one in the back and one on one side and one on the other. Who creates these angels? It's the merit of the Jewish people. So right now, in the moment we're in life, it's not a time to be scared. It's, this is not what we are meant to be experiencing right now. I know it looks scary, I know it's painful, but you know what, put it in a closet, lock it under many locks and concentrate on learning Torah and doing mitzvot. Because if you're learning Torah and you're doing mitzvot and you're taking upon yourself one new thing, one new thing, one new thing, doesn't have to be major changes, little things. Lighting Shabbat candles, maybe men can put on tefillin, maybe uh, start eating kosher, stop eating things that are not kosher, like shrimp and pork and all these things. One little thing you do tips the scales. It changes the whole picture. And so we see that, that Abraham, uh, when he tipped the scales by, by not allowing <coughs> the depravity of Egypt to get into him, this gave him the, the strength to go and save his nephew from the four kings. Imagine one man with his, with, his, uh, with his servant Eliezer, the two of them went to fight four kings, uh, which was a whole army, and they won. So let us recall that the four kings were hint to the four kingdoms, which would later oppress Klal Israel. And if so, then the restraint that Israel showed in Egypt gave them the ability to withstand all the future exiles. So this is why we're alive. This is why we exist. There's, there's no logical, no logical explanation that the Jewish people should be alive. Like we should, be, we should have disappeared a long time ago. Just like the, the ancient Egyptians and the ancient Greeks and the ancient Babylonians, we should not be here. But because of the merits of our forefathers, that they paved the way, we, we still stand on their shoulders. You know, we stand in giant shoulders. And the good and the beauty of it is that they were giants in their spiritual making. We stand in their shoulders. So as high as a giant is, as tall as a giant is, he can see this till where he can see. But if we're in their shoulders, we see farther away from them. So this is, this is the, 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 the core, this is the strength that we have, that we stand on giant shoulders. So, <clears throat> so this order of events will again manifest themselves in the ultimate future, which I think it's in the present, really. Uh, the Shem Ishmael wrote this book in 1920, and we're in 2023, so he's talking about the future, but we feel it's now, it's now today. And the Kedusha gained by Klal Israel in Egypt will stand us in good, in, good, in good state to withstand the test of exile until the final war against the forces of evil of Edom, in which the enemy will be vanquished by the Mashiach ben Yosef, 
the Mashiach, the Mashiach descended from Yosef, because we're going to have two Mashiachs. One is going to be Mashiach ben Yosef. He's going to come as a descendant from Yosef, from the tribe of Yosef. And, uh, and, and, and it is significant that this descendant comes from Yosef because <clears throat> he is the epitome of the Shomer Habris, a person that took care of his of his, um, of his uh, sexual desires. He was not improper. You know, Joseph was tempted by the, the wife of Potiphar and she wanted to seduce him and he ran out and he, was, he didn't fall into her, her temptation. She was a beautiful woman. He ended up serving jail time because of this. He was, he was, they said that, she said that he was gonna rape her, which was not true. And he ended up going to jail and eventually he became the viceroy of Egypt and saved the whole world from famine. So we see that this um, Mashiach and Yosef is the one that is gonna come first and he's gonna be fighting a war, a war of desires. Uh, where we're going to be able to vanquish our desires that are not Jewish desires. And then Mashiach and David will come and he will redeem us. So for now, we are fighting these wars. They seem physical, but really they're spiritual. It's a war of survival, of light and darkness, of truth and lies. And uh, it's a, it's, it can be scary, but really if you tap into the reality of what it really is, what it really is, is like, is the Jew has a moment in time to really bring the truth to the world, to bring proof and truth and light to the world. Uh, it's, it's a time to recognize God in everything, uh, this is not made in a vacuum. This really comes from Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. And our enemies, enemies, let's call them, all these forces that want to destroy us, really come from Hashem. These, these Hamas and Isis and Hezbollah, all these names they're given to them, really are energies of the world that are trying to bring out something from the Jew that Hashem needs. I wish you a blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.